Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host Dominic Booth and I'm joined by Tyra Marshall and Samuel Luckers for today's podcast. Uh, welcome to you both. Thank you. Hello Dom, thank you. Nice to be on, nice to have you on. Um, not so nice for Manchester United in Switzerland on Wednesday night with that 2-1 defeat to young boys. Um, Aaron Wambasaka, red card, a late misplaced pass from Jesse Lingard. An underwhelming United performance, understandable in some ways, but obviously uh, criticism has fallen down on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. On the back of it, we'll get on to uh, the upcoming game against West Ham, but on Switzerland, Samuel, you were there. It was a game which seemed like it was going to be very, very routine for United up until the moment when Aaron Wambasaka um, went in with that tackle and got sent off. It completely changed. Absolutely. That was where it started. The problem started. They they didn't have a shot after that red card, which was in the 35th minute, which there's no excuse for that 10 men or 11 men uh, to, to have been, frankly, that, that negative after that happened uh, was inexcusable. Immediately, you knew that Dallow had to come on because they didn't have the the personnel on the pitch to relocate someone to right back. Sometimes you're in the position where if you're reduced to 10 men, someone can fill in uh, at the place where the player who's been sent off has vacated, but they didn't have that luxury. I don't think anybody really would have suggested that Solskjaer moved Jaden Sancho to, to right back. And I can understand why Dallow came on. But from then on, the substitutions were, every one of them was problematic. It, we, we were right behind pretty much the, the United dugout. And I think towards the end of the half, Solskjaer spoke with Mike Phelan, Kieran McKenna, Eric Ramsey, the set-piece coach. And as he was walking back towards the tunnel, he was speaking to Nemanja Matic. And I thought, well, Matic is definitely coming on in this game at some point because he's, he's experienced, he's quite a prudent passer. He can shield the back four. He's, he's someone you want in that situation. But Michael Carrick was the one who was speaking to Raphael Varane and it was pretty clear that Varane was coming on and long before the second half restarted, he was back out on the pitch with Darren Fletcher pinging crosses into him for him to nod away. So that was a sign of things to come. But from then on, I, the, the bringing Ronaldo off, I didn't have a problem with. A, a friend actually texted me and said they should take Ronaldo off because they're not going to get anything out of him. But you keep him on because he's loitering with intent. And really, he possibly should have killed the game with that opening he had where the defender misjudged the ball. Ronaldo read it, but then he just didn't quite get his body in, in the way of camera. And in the end, he tried to look for a penalty that just wasn't a penalty, irrespective of what Solskjaer said afterwards. But then it's things like bringing... How did it go again? Um, Lingard came on for Ronaldo, I think. And then Fred went off for Marshall. So it's you could argue, I mean, Lingard's, is he a forward, is he a midfielder? But you could argue it's midfielder for forward and then it's forward for midfielder. When Matic was on the pitch, United definitely improved. They did not look like conceding again. I think that going to a back three just heaped more pressure on them. They were a lot narrower, even though they had a back five. I think that's always inevitable anyway, because you're going to try and be compact. You've not got the support on the flanks to uh, protect the the fullbacks or the wingbacks in that situation, and particularly given the personnel they had, where it was Pogba, Fernandez, and and Fred in front of the back five. But other than that deflected cross that went in, young boys didn't really look like 
scoring throughout the game. And I just did not think there was any need to put Varane on that in that instance. Or the, the problem, I suppose, at the start of it was that the only defensive change Solskjaer made was that he put Lindelof in for Varane when the common consensus, whether it was the fans online on um, picking the team on our website or those of us who were fortunate to be in Burn, was that the change in the defence really should have been Wan-Bissaka because he's been playing by default and it seemed an opportunity to to give Dallow a, a game and see whether he was up to it. And of course, that backfired because Wan-Bissaka got sent off. But really, what Maguire said afterwards was that United were concerned by the aerial bombardment and they felt they needed Varane's presence. Okay, fair enough. But I think a braver coach in that situation would have taken Lindelof off, who most seem to agree is not good enough in the air and keep and bring Varane on. But then you've got a decent balance and you've got midfielders who can support Ronaldo when there is a breakaway or whether when there is a counter-attack. And unfortunately for United, as soon as it went, as soon as they went down to ten men, they played for a one nil. As soon as it went one one, they played for a one one. They got neither, and they they got what they deserved, even though it was two individual errors from Wambasaka and and Lingard. The the substitutions were just baffling, frankly. Even bringing Matic on, which there was definitely logic to, I thought he should have come on sooner than he did, and. You know, they they end it with with a two one defeat when certainly at eleven versus eleven and going one nil up it, it looked like it was going to be a pretty serene evening. Yeah, exactly. The debate the afterwards, Tyrone is centered on how much blame to apportion to Solskjaer. Obviously, the, the substitutions that Samuel's mentioned there certainly um, you can say that Solskjaer was muddled. I didn't see the sense in making, like Samuel said, a defensive substitution, bringing on Varane and Matic for more attacking players, and then in added time taking off Fred, who'd probably been one of United's better players on the night for an attacking player when, you know, a 1-1 probably would have been been okay, if not ideal. But where do you stand on on the blame that Solskjaer should get for this one? Individual errors, yes, but, but how much is he getting wrong in some of these Champions League games? Yeah, I think that's that's part of the issue as well. His, his Champions League record is... is pretty poor. That's seven defeats in 11 now. I think the first three, you're not going to proportion a huge amount of blame to him for losing to, to PSG in 2019, was it? And then two games against Barca. It wasn't his team at the time. He sorted out the PSG one with that famous second leg. But since last summer, when it's it's been his own team, really, it's still, you know, six, um, trying to work out the maths now, four defeats, is it, in seven? I think four defeats in seven now. Yeah, three and six. Three in the group season, stage last yeah. year, three and six last season. So it has to be a concern. Um, and I think, <clears throat> yeah, I think he certainly got things wrong on Tuesday. I don't think doubt about that. I thought Young Boys looked decent before the red card, to be fair. And I don't think, I don't think both Villarreal and Atalanta will win there. I think they look a decent side and I think they can hurt them and that'll probably help United in terms of getting out of the group. But, I did think he went too defensive at half-time. Even against 10 men with young boys when you're winning, you've got to still pose a threat to them. It's Manchester United, not Mulder. He was he didn't need to go that negative. He could have still carried a threat. And there was when you listen to the, the, the players in Solskjaer speak about when they went to a back three, there were a lot of crosses. First 15 minutes of the half, Varane won a lot of headers. So maybe there's merit in it. I think the issue was I'm not sure he, I'm not sure taking Van der Beek off was necessarily the right thing to do. United's inability was they just couldn't stem the pressure because they couldn't keep the ball. And I've, I'd almost taken one of Fernandes and Ronaldo off. And I actually think United's best patches of play in the second half came after Fernandes and Ronaldo had gone off. 
and they just they couldn't get the ball to them. Those two are operating completely on their own. And as as for all Fred's qualities of, of energy and enthusiasm and, and getting around the pitch, he's not an elite level passer. His passing can be pretty wayward. And United just didn't show enough to keep the ball. Pogba's Pogba can play sensational passes, but doesn't always do the simple, doesn't always look for the simple pass. And I think it just it didn't work because there was just a lack of control in midfield. And United just couldn't show any control in that game in the second half. They could win the header, but they couldn't keep the second ball. They couldn't string any passes together. And they, you know, they, they were saying for 15, 20 minutes we didn't concede many chances. They didn't, but it was constant, constant pressure. And it probably was about half an hour in the end. And sooner or later, that, that's going to pay. You're going to have to defend brilliantly if all you're going to do in the second half is defend and defend and defend and have no out ball, have no ability to keep the ball. And I think that's what that's what hurt them, really. I think if you want to go to a back three, I think there's different ways of doing it. You try and, you, you probably need to be braver and take one of Pogba, Fernandes and Ronaldo off for me and keep someone in midfield who can have an element of control and get on the ball. Fernandes and Pogba aren't really controlling players. They look for ambitious passes. We know what um, Ronaldo's all about. So I just I don't think it really worked in in those tactical terms. And the biggest issue for me in the second half was just the fact that United had no had no ability to keep the ball and just invited pressure after pressure after pressure against the team who looked good. But at the end of the day, I've had a pretty mediocre start in the Swiss league. So it's a game they really should have been winning. And even with 10 men, they should have shown more ambition. Yeah, absolutely. I guess, Samuel, is this the, the first of many examples that we're going to talk about of Ronaldo dictating the tactical decisions by a United boss? Is he right? Is he wrong to keep him on? I guess we always knew this was going to happen as soon as Ronaldo arrived. There would be discussions about this. Was Solskjaer, was Solskjaer brave to keep Ronaldo on? Are there situations? Are there ever situations where he should? Sorry, was he brave to take him off? Are there situations where you know Ronaldo should just stay on, whatever, whatever happens? No, no I, I, I didn't have a problem with that. I think that it's an easy uh, angle to home in on because it's Ronaldo, but he is thirty six. It was a plastic pitch that is going to take take it out of him, and that th- they have got a game this weekend. It does help that there is there's a five day gap between the the young boys game and the West Ham game. But I think Lindelof's back problem started after he played in the plastic pitch at um, at Den Haag um, in in the Europa League a couple of years ago. So United have had experience of players suffering from from playing on a plastic pitch. The plastic pitch excuse, which Luke Shaw tried to play was completely undermined by Luke Shaw playing on the exact same pitch against the exact same opposition three years ago and United winning 3-0. Um, th- th- there was an element of sour grapes from from him and, and, and Solskjaer afterwards. Solskjaer was saying that it was a penalty on Ronaldo. It wasn't a penalty. We, we didn't have monitors in the press tribune and, and we didn't need them um, from, from the angle we had. But I, as I said, I, I just didn't have an issue with, with Ronaldo coming off it was just the way he went about the substitutions. Um, I think it was Lingard who came on for him, and I don't know quite where Lingard was meant to play. I've not checked in in Y Scout, but I've absolutely no idea. It could be could be potluck as to where they decided that Lingard popped up on the pitch. But I think Lingard had the ball four times. He gave the ball away four times, and unfortunately for him, the previous instance to him playing that inadvertent assist was that the ball came to him. He wellied it clear and it went to a young boys player uh, just inside United's half. So that was probably on his mind when he got the ball and he thought, I'm not just going to boot this clear. I'm going to try and find a teammate this time. Unfortunately for him and United, he played it blind 
and young young boys got the winning goal and sparked those delirious scenes at the end. But unfortunately, with Solskjaer, Solskjaer, the word substitute was a match made in heaven when he was a player. In management, there are umpteen examples where he has made some really glaring mistakes with his substitutions. And the four the four defeats United have suffered this year that have been meaningful shall we say uh Sheffield United Leicester in the cup Villarreal in the Europa League final young boys in midweek in each game there's been an issue with his substitution strategy against Sheffield United he didn't make changes quickly enough when United were playing badly and you know took took a while to score after Sheffield United had in that match Leicester Nobody could quite understand why he went with that team. And then it was too many cooks for the broth with the way he just went to gung-ho and there was no real rhythm to United's play after he introduced, I think it was Cavani and Fernandes and, and others. The Europa League final we've spoken about ad nauseum. It was it was disaster class from him that night. And then it was similar in midweek as well. So I, I don't quite understand how... His thought process works at times with that. I know it's easy to say in hindsight, but a lot of people are making these observations whilst the game is going on um, rather than just poking their head above the parapet at the end of the game and saying he should have done this, should have said that, he should have done that. I think people are making these observations when the action is actually playing out. Yeah, it's interesting. We'll just see how how it pans out over the, obviously, next five key games in the Champions League for United. Tyrone, I thought it may be worth focusing a little on a couple of players who are coming under under some scrutiny. I guess, I guess the right hand side um, of Aaron Wambasaka and Jaden Sancho, which everyone expected to be the the starting right hand side for for the season to come. Um, obviously, two young English players with a lot of talent that United have brought in under Solskjaer, both for big fees. Um, Sancho will probably give a little bit of leeway to. He hasn't started the best, has he? But there is a little bit of concern there, perhaps about. Um, the fact he's not reached his level hasn't hasn't notched a goal or assist. I don't think yet. Um, is it a case of just taking time for t- to come good at a new club? Yeah, I think so. I don't think he's had a great start, and I think that frustration was added to when he was the man to make way on on Tuesday. But he is still pretty young. He had a traumatic experience in the summer in the in the European Championship. He's gone from a relatively small pond at Dortmund where he could excel when he wasn't under that much pressure in games that Dortmund are always going to dominate to, to come into Manchester United. So I think there's a lot there's a lot going on to adapt to there. I wouldn't be too concerned about it. I think it's a case of just he, he needs time to settle and and get his feet under the table, really. He's he's not he's not really looked great in any of the games so far. I don't think probably the Newcastle game maybe his best performance and even then he wasn't brilliant. I don't think he's lasted more than seventy two minutes in any game. But I'd I, I I'd be more concerned if this was still going on towards the end of the season. I think this is just a natural bedding in process. I'd be more concerned about right back, really. And um that's obviously the other the other issue with with Wamba Saka. Um we've spoken for a while now about how he's improving going forward, but the improvements are coming so slowly as to be almost negligible. And the the, the red card on Tuesday was the old adage of adage of his second touch as a tackle. And you know, it wasn't a difficult pass to control. And he's he just looks he just looks really clumsy in the final third. Balls bounce off him. He he can put dangerous crosses in, and he actually I actually noticed him. He's starting to make some really well, very occasionally, um, very occasionally. He, he does. He started to make some really good runs and like runs inside the right winger, so often inside Greenwood or inside Sancho. He did a couple against Newcastle on Saturday, but it almost doesn't matter because his end product is 
generally just not up to not up to scratch. So yeah, I I would have concerns long term about him. I know he's still pretty young and he's he's gone from you know Crystal Palace where the focus is on defending to United where the focus is on attacking, but it still feels like there's a hell of a lot of work that needs to be done for him to become a more natural attacking right back. And at the moment, it just doesn't feel like he's really got it in him. Yeah, that tackle, um, reminiscent of my tackle on our colleague Rich Fay at the latest <laughs> NBN 5 aside, actually. Yours was much worse. Mine was, my, my was probably worse, yeah. Um, but, um, do, do you worry then, Samuel, about, about Wan-Bissaka? Is, is there a, a real case for to be made for Dallow uh, to get a real run of games in, in his replacement? And I, I, I've not really understood Solskjaer's treatment of Dallow. I thought he, Dallow was coming good when Solskjaer first arrived at the club. And then when he went, he, he obviously had his injury issues in the second season and then did, you know, pretty damn well at, at AC Milan on loan. It feels like he deserves a chance at some point. I think there's a case for him. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a compelling case. I mean, I, I did a piece yesterday morning on it and it's it's something that has to be considered purely because Wambasaka is is the weak link in in that back five at the moment and his his defending was an issue last season I think there's such an emphasis on his lack of output in the final third that it's kind of flown under the radar that defensively he was shaky on a number of occasions last season and there was a ploy that opposition teams had of playing the ball to the far post and it would go over his head and it would either end up in a goal or, or a chance uh, for them but I suppose with Dallow, they they wanted Kieran Trippier in the summer. So if they if if they had signed Trippier, they would have let Dallow go. So I'd say that Solskjaer is sanguine with how how the state of play is at, at right back, in that he has got a, a full international to compete with Wan Bissaka, but Wan Bissaka is still very much the first choice, and Solskjaer may just regard this this current run of form as as a blip, but. Going back to what Solskjaer said about assists in in Bern in um, in midweek, uh, that, that that applies to obviously not just Pogba but all, all the United players. And I, I you can count on one hand how many memorable assists Wambasaka has has come up with. There were there were a couple of goals last season scored. I think Fernandez's one that that overrated one he scored against Everton, where somehow the keeper was. You know, beaten by a shot which he shouldn't have been beaten by. Wambasaka just plays a lateral pass and then it's over to Fernandez. Um, Greenwood at Aston Villa. Wambasaka plays a lateral pass and Greenwood makes it happen. I, I can only think of maybe Chelsea away, Newcastle home on Boxing Day. It might have been Villa last season at home when Marshall scored a decent header. Those have been the only occasions where you've looked at his his wing play and thought that's that's brilliant. That's that's worthy of um, you know of merit there there's a goal away in Newcastle as well wasn't there when he, he actually actually finished yeah second. that that was Finish yeah he, scored. he had a, he had a period last season in January and early February where I thought he was playing really well he played quite well at Arsenal away and Cavani should have put away one of his crosses I thought against Southampton he was in the 9-0 evisceration and okay it was 11 versus 10 for pretty much 90 minutes and it ended up 9-0 but he would him and Shaw in that first half were absolutely relentless I thought I think at that time they were neck and neck form wise but for most of the last year 18 months the attack has been lopsided because United always know that Shaw's going to be an outlet there and a reliable one and they don't have that with Wan-Bissaka and D- Dallow clearly had the confidence knocked out of him when they 
sign Wan-Bissaka a year after he arrived. Why wouldn't you? It was pretty clear that he was going to be second choice from from that point on. But a lot has changed since he last started a, a Premier League game for United, which I think has come up to two years ago, that very grey and uh, wet day up at St James's Park when they got they got beaten by Newcastle and it was almost looking like an end-of-day scenario for, for Solskjaer. But, but Dallow has has become fitter since then. He hobbled off that day. Injuries were always a problem for him at United. He, he stayed fit at Milan last season. He got the 11th hour call to the Portugal squad for the Euros as well. The acid test for him as to whether he can whether he can prolong his career at United is not going to come in League Cup games or Champions League group games. It's going to come in Premier League games. And I still have my doubts that Solskjaer will trust him to do that. I don't think Solskjaer is a particularly impulsive manager. I, I, I fully expect Wan-Bissaka to still be starting on Sunday, but I'm not sure many United fans would agree with him at, at this current time. Yeah, exactly. The point I was going to make next, Tyrone, is probably going to be Wan-Bissaka. It's going to be the, the set formation probably um, against West Ham this weekend. United had issues away against West Ham last season, the first half after a Champions League game, producing probably one of those many yeah, first... I was going to say probably their worst first half forms of the season last season, but there were so many. What um, to pick from. Yeah, I can't really go through them all in my head. But United have, have tripped up before at West Ham um, in recent years. And with a full crowd back in, I know the London Stadium isn't known particularly for its atmosphere, but this has a real potential to, to give them a challenge again, doesn't it? It does, yeah. I think it's in their advantage that a pretty strong West Ham team were in Zagreb last night um, and you'd have to think that's going to have some kind of impact on their uh, robustness this weekend and of course they're missing Antonio so there's two things there that are massively in United's favour for for getting a result but I would still I've still got a few concerns about the game to be honest I mean need saying that I think Moyes is doing a phenomenal job there they've started the season brilliantly again and they just look a really really dangerous team and especially on the counter-attack and I think so far, United have looked really vulnerable to the counter-attack this season, far more than they were last season. Um, Newcastle could have scored twice, probably more, on the counter on, on Saturday. Wolves could have had four in the first half on the counter against United a few weeks ago. And it seems to be a case of the midfield is pushed so far up. A couple of the ones against Wolves, Fred was the deepest United midfielder and he was five yards outside the Wolves box. And as soon as they lost it, Tra- I mean, there was one instance early on, Traore just knocked it past Fred. 75 yards from United's goal and the only player between him and the goal was Varane and Varane must have just been looking at it thinking what on earth is happening here like where's everyone gone and it's it, it does seem to have been a pretty regular problem this year that they are really susceptible to counter-attacks I think West Ham are a good counter-attack inside Declan Rice showed again last night why he's not only a brilliant defensive midfielder but a real all-rounder as well as Tosgar has said he said he wanted um, you know, he can he can drive forward with the ball and if he drives past Fred 60 yards, 70 yards from United's goal and has a clear run at the back four, then you can see United having problems with, with the pace West Ham has on the break. So I do think there's potential for concern there. But the fact that United won their last season, the fact that there's no Antonio, the fact that you know West Ham played in Zagreb on Thursday night, you've got to be good enough to take advantage when that's in your favour and when you've got a squad as good as United have. So... Well, there's there's reasons to be concerned. They've got to be good enough to to win because I think if they don't, we're this this is the kind of season where the pressure could 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 grow on Solskjaer very very quickly because it's such a competitive title race that every point dropped in a game that you should win is going to be massive. And it's already happened against Southampton. It feels like it can't happen again for a short while at the moment, especially not against teams you know it should be beating. 
they've now lost to young boys. So I think they need to go there and, and, and get back on track. Yeah, absolutely. The case, and it feels strange to say, maybe Samuel with uh, United currently top of the table, albeit after four games and on goal difference. But are the questions on this one ahead of the team selection going to focus again on that midfield area? It seems like the back five yeah, will pretty much select itself and Ronaldo and Greenwood uh, will, will be will be among the front three and Fernandes obviously play. So it's, it's about that balance in the midfield again, isn't it? It is. And it's... it's... It is an interesting one because from, say, a fan perspective, I think a lot of fans would say play the same midfield as, as last week. Matic on the fort, Pogba can can drift and do what he wants. Fernandez is is always going to start. But I can see Solskjaer starting Matic and Fred because West Ham's midfield pair is is Rice and Souffal. And um, not Souffal, it's Tom, Thomas Sorry, wrong check there. And both of them are obviously... they're their goal scoring threats you saw rice's goal i think that's the res the issue united have in their interest with him in that i don't think he's an outright defensive midfielder i, I can just i think he's in the process of doing it now just developing like yaya torre yaya torre at barcelona played at center back sometimes and was regarded as a as a defensive minded player because they had chabby and they had uh, Andres Iniesta and they had Sergio Busquets who could just hold the fort there as well. But then Toro went to City and he developed into one of the best box-to-box midfielders around. And I think Rice is in the process of doing that. And so just just having those two up against either one of Matic or Fred, I don't think that is something that Solskjaer would countenance, which leads me to think he will go with Matic and Fred as that pivot. And I'm sure if that happens and the team news drops, there'll be a meltdown from the online following. Why is he playing those two away at West Ham? When I can see complete sense in a, in a manager doing that. And that would probably mean Sancho not starting, which you can't really gripe about because he has had a very underwhelming start, to put it mildly. Pogba would probably play on the left. I know he didn't play particularly well in the week against young boys, but he has had a very good calendar year. Um, you, you don't just drop him after one one poor performance when United play with 10 men for the majority of it. So I, that, that that's probably the only change I could possibly see from, from the Newcastle game last week in the Fred comes in next to Matic and it's Sancho who goes out. Greenwood didn't uh, didn't play at all in midweek, so he'll be fresh for the game. He scored a very good goal at West Ham last season. Uh, I know Solskjaer's selection um, process in harking back to past games is, is pretty flawed, but talking about the current, Greenwood has had a very good start to the season. And I know he was a bit on, on the periphery against Newcastle last week with, with when it was the Ronaldo show, but he was the one who still forced the issue with that shot that the keeper parried and, and Ronaldo put away on the rebound. So again, I think, look, I, I'm, I'm going to say it now because some, some might deride me, but I have no problem in saying that I think that it would be advisable to start Matic and Fred, but I can understand why fans will want to see a more front-footed approach, particularly after the negativity in midweek in going with Matic, Fernandes and Pogba. But I do think that is a little bit too risky against a very good West Ham side. And they have a very good side, even without Antonio. I think they've, that they're starting 11, which is pretty much fixed, uh, which is one of the... one Ty was saying about what a good job Dave Moyes has done. That's one of the reasons why he has succeeded in that that team does pretty much pick itself when everybody's fit and available. Yeah, absolutely. And talking about Solskjaer's memory of games, I think yours is, is far better, Samuel, than, uh, than Solskjaer in terms of what actually happened in games months ago, because I could never remember and you always seem to be able to. But um, 
We'll go on, we'll go quickly on to predictions then because you like that just as much as remembering games, Samuel. So I'll come to you first on on what you think will be the outcome in this one. Uh, oh, difficult one. United haven't played well away from home so far, so I, I think they'll either it'll either be similarly gritty or they'll just yeah get going and, and have a really good away day performance. So on that basis, I'll go with a a one one draw. I had, a, I had a feeling deep down that you might say that, actually. Um, Tyrone? Yeah, I can't see United keeping a clean sheet. Um, and Samuel's right, they haven't played well away from home so far. So I was leaning towards 1-1 as well. Maybe I'll go 2-1 United just to be different. Maybe a, a late goal when West Ham start to tire. But I think I wouldn't be surprised with 1-1. I can see it being a draw. No, Van der Beek winner, why not? Let's um, <laughs> end the podcast on a positive note. That's uh, that's great. Thank you very much both for uh, your contributions today. Thanks, Samuel, and thanks, Tyrone. Thanks, thank John. Thank you. And thank you for listening. We'll be back for another episode of the Manchester is Red podcast very soon. Please leave us a like and a subscribe. See you again soon.